0: Hi, I'm Edward Sree, and welcome to All Things Catholic, where real faith meets real life. Where are you, Lord? God, where are you? Maybe you've been there before. Maybe you've had those seasons of life when things aren't going well, when things didn't turn out the way you planned, the way you hoped, and your world of you feels turned upside down, and you're wondering, where is my life going? What's going to happen next? Is this ever going to get better? And we might ask, where are you, Lord? If you've ever had that experience, I want you to know that many of the great biblical heroes, many of the great saints Have experienced that as well. What is God doing when he allows us to experience certain unexpected crosses, periods of darkness, periods of uncertainty? He's doing many things, but one of the things that we're going to see is that he can use even the difficult situations in our life to draw us closer to him. And I want to be clear, it's not as if God is throwing down these crosses at us. You know, I often like to say like Zeus throwing lightning bolts, you know, he's going to just throw this cross on upon us here. No, God uh, allows us to experience these crosses. We bring crosses into this world because of sin. Original sin is what brought all disharmony, disorder, pain, suffering, death, broken relationships, illness, disease, disappointment. All of those things came because of sin. We brought that into the world, and we're all going to have our share in those moments of darkness and pain and suffering. But God, who's so good and so loving, can even use those moments for our good, to bring good in the world, but also good in our own souls. He may use it to invite us to grow in a certain virtue like patience or surrender or to trust more. And through the the difficulties, through the darkness, through the uncertainties, we learn to walk by faith and not by sight. And that's good for us. You know, we often think our faith is just, oh, I believe the creed. I believe the catechism. I believe in the seven sacraments and that's all good. That, that's a part of faith, of course, but real faith is not just intellectually accepting the teachings of the church. It involves that. that. That's an essential part of it. But as the Catechism describes, it also involves an entrusting of myself to God. And it's that surrendering to the truths, that there is a God, that I'm not made for this world, I'm made for eternal life, that this God is good, that this God has a plan for my life, that this God can help me in the midst of my suffering. It's, that's where faith is tested. It's easy to just say, oh, I believe in the, the seven sacraments. I believe Jesus is present in the Eucharist. And you know that, that, that's, in a sense, easier to believe than to trust in God, to believe in Him when I'm really going through a hard time when I'm not sure how things are going to work out and whatever it is that I'm worried about or that I'm stressed about or I'm down about, God can use those moments to help us to grow in faith, to help us to grow in greater trust of Him. And that's good because we, we want to trust our Heavenly Father and we know we need to trust Him more. We want to learn more how to walk by faith and not by sight. And that's what we're going to look at in this week's podcast. So welcome. To all things Catholic. I'm your host, Edward Sri. Uh, I'm so excited to share with you some things that we've been actually teaching with our our missionaries in focus recently. We've been doing an all-staff Bible study. So picture, oh, 850 missionaries, young people around the world, all across America, in Europe, uh, down in Monterey, Mexico. So picture people around the world, and we're doing this live Bible study week after week for our staff. Uh, training them in the story of salvation history. And we've been looking at great biblical characters who exhibit this this call to faith, this call to surrender more, to trust, and how God is working with them uh, in the midst of, of these moments of darkness in their lives. So there's a lot we're going to learn from, and we're going to take one of those biblical heroes to take a look at today. But before we jump in, I just want to mention to anyone that lives in the midwest of the united states in particular. Well, this invitation is open to everybody. You can live in, you know, Singapore and, and and still come to this. But maybe maybe you've heard about the big focus conference we do every year. Uh, it's called the Seek Conference, and we gather, you know, nineteen thousand people in this NFL stadium, this dome there in St. Louis. Uh, we're going to be doing this January first through fifth, and it's so awesome to see the the faith of the next generation—young people, college students, young adults, young professionals—all coming together to worship God. But I want you to know that it's not only for young people. Well, that's that's the primary audience, of course, but many of their parents will come, benefactors will come, and especially we have a whole track dedicated toward lay people who work in evangelization or lead a small group or some kind of faith formation. So if you work in your parish or Maybe you don't work at your parish, but you you volunteer and you you help with RCIA at your parish, or you lead a men's group or a women's group at your parish, or maybe you're just a mom and dad and you're doing faith formation in the home because you're the primary educators of your children and and you want to pass on the Catholic faith in your home to the next generation. If you are doing any kind of faith formation, again, whether it's formally in a, working in a parish, informally volunteering, or a part of small groups, or involved in parish ministry as a volunteer, or you're just a mom or dad trying to raise kids Catholic in this secular age, come check out the Making Missionary Disciples track at Seek at the Focus Conference, so we have a special track, and what happens is people will go to all the main sessions with all the young people. So they'll go to Mass. It's amazing to be with you know three hundred uh, or five hundred. I think we had priests last year and about thirty bishops, and you know nineteen thousand people worshiping God in the Eucharist at Mass is amazing. So they go to the Mass every morning, and then the evening talks. There's the keynotes where you hear from people like Sister Miriam, Father Mike Schmitz, and many others. So they do those sessions with everybody. But then during the day, when all the college students are doing their breakout sessions and things on dating relationships and chastity and how to evangelize on a college campus, we have what's called the Making Missionary Disciples Track, which is all about practical skills for passing on the faith as a layperson in your home, in your workplace, in your parish, in RCIA, in sacramental prep, in marriage ministry, whatever you're involved in, any way that you're passing on the faith, whether at the parish or in the home, in the family or in the workplace, you you can come learn practical skills on how to do that effectively in our secular culture. So you can learn more about this at seek.focus.org. Again, you can go to seek.focus.org. Uh, I know I'll be there. I know many of the Ascension uh, presenters will be there as well. Looking forward to seeing many people in St. Louis, January 1st through 5th this year. And if you can't come for the whole five days, you can. there's day passes. You can come for one day, two days, three days. Check it out, seek.focus.org. Now. Let's turn to this great biblical hero. Now, there's so many of them that we could look at. I wanted to turn to Abraham. I think about the great Abraham. He's the father of faith. But, you know, if you really look at his life story, it was a hard life. You know, it was very blessed, but it was hard. It was difficult. I don't know how much you know the inside story of Abraham. So Abraham is in the book of Genesis. You, you first start reading about his life in Genesis chapter 12. He's, he's mentioned previous, but in Genesis 12 is where the story really picks up, where God is calling Abram to leave his family, to leave his hometown, his land, and go to a distant place and to trust God. I mean, just, let's just stop right there. I want you to put yourself in Abraham's shoes and just imagine being him. You know, you, you all of a sudden God says, I want you to pick up and move and go all the way across the country. I want you to go to a place you don't know anybody. Leave all the people that are dear to you. <laughs> Leave your, your home that has been familiar to you. That, that alone would be pretty hard. But here's the next thing. <laughs> and again, most readers don't pick up on this. But when you read Genesis chapter 12, verses 4 through 9, you, you read about how Abram is being invited not just to go to a distant land, but to go to the land of Canaan, the land of Canaan. Now, we, when we modern readers, when we read the Bible, we're just like, oh, land of Canaan, what's the big deal? Uh, you know, not, probably not that important. Well, if you read the narrative before, the two chapters that came before, uh, Genesis 10 and 11, and even if you go back to chapter 9 in particular, Canaan isn't any ordinary land. Canaan is enemy territory. This is where Abraham's family, in the background here, I won't get into all the details, but he's the descendant of a man named Shem who's in rivalry with a man named Ham, and Ham has a son named Canaan, and Ham tried to usurp Shem's role and his leadership, and there's this family rivalry here, so to go to the land of Canaan you know, that's like, you know, you're going into enemy territory. You're going into hostile territory. These people aren't going to be very hospitable to someone from your family line. So this is, this is hard stuff here. Leave your home, leave your family, leave what's familiar to you, go to a place you don't know. And guess what? The people hate you there. <laughs> so, so right, right there, you're just learning a lot about Abram, what faith he had, what amazing trust he had in God. He trusted. He said yes to the Lord. He answered the call. Are you willing to do hard things for God when you sense God's inviting you to do something difficult, something scary, stepping out into the unknown, something that might be really challenging for you? Do you tend to shrink from those calls of God to do things that are hard? Like maybe you sense God's inviting you to volunteer at the parish and help more, to lead something, to share your faith with someone, to have a difficult conversation with someone. You need to tell them the truth about God. And, and, you're, and you're nervous about it. Like how do you respond when God asks you to do something difficult? Turn to Abram. Abram is a great man of faith. He trusted God and even went to Canaan. I love this story. what faith he had. But here's what happens next. He gets to land at Canaan. How do things go for him there? Well, you read in Genesis chapter 12, verses 10 through 20 that there's a great famine in the land. So Abram trusts God. He answers the call. He goes to this distant land of Canaan and it doesn't work out well. There's a great famine. Does that ever happen in your life Do You ever have those moments where you you trust God and you say, "Okay, hey, Lord, I'm going to do this." Then you do it and it it was it it, it wasn't easy. <laughs> you you say, Lord, "Lord, I'm going to trust you here. I'm going to, I'm going to follow your plan. I think you want me to do this." And then it's hard. You know, that could be something in your marriage. <laughs> you know, I, I want to get married. It was awesome. And then you get into marriage a few years into it and you're like, Oh wow, this is really hard. This is demanding and we hurt each other and we frustrate each other, you know? Or you want to have kids. I'm so excited I want to have kids. And and you know kids are hard and it's gonna be tiring and you're not gonna get much sleep, but then you actually have your child and you realize, wow, this is much harder than anything I've ever done before. I feel stretched like never before. And there's great joy and blessing that comes into it. But but sometimes we, we follow God and we sense, okay, I think God wants me to do this at the parish, or I think God wants me to take this new job, or I think God wants me to go in this different direction in my life. Maybe when it's something like that and we're trusting the Lord and then we get into it and it's really difficult. And we're wondering, God, where are you? What's happening? Well, this is what happens to Abram. He trusts God. He goes to the land of Canaan, and then there's a great famine there. (laughs) And so now he's got to pick up and leave again and go down south to Egypt where there's food. And he goes to Egypt, and that's going to be hard. And Egypt, by the way, is a part of the rival family as well. He's another descendant of that patriarch named Ham, uh, who's a rival to Abram's family. So he goes down to Egypt and he gets there and uh the Pharaoh starts hitting on his wife, thinking Sarah, his wife, is really beautiful. And so now he's got all these problems. I mean, things are really hard for Abram. Then he gets back home, and when he gets back, his nephew Lot uh takes the better portion of the land of Canaan, and Abram stuck with the lesser part of the land. Uh and then 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 his nephew, who was selfish and took the best part of the land, he ends up getting caught up in a battle and swept away, and Abram has to go rescue him. So it's like one thing after another after another in Abram's life. He said yes to God, heroically. You can admire his tremendous faith, leaving home, leaving family members, going to a distant land he doesn't know, and to a land that's hostile with people that are opposed to him and his family line. What trust Abram had. But he trusted God, and it doesn't seem to work out. There's one problem after another after another. So by the time you get to chapter 15, which is what I want to focus on today, it tells us that the Lord came to speak to Abram in a vision and said, fear not, Abram, I'm your shield, and your reward will be very great. Now, you can imagine being Abram thinking, you're my shield? <laughs> if, you know, a shield is for protection. If, if, if you're my divine protection and, uh, and I've experienced all this... Well, what kind of protection is this? <laughs> I've just nothing but headaches and suffering and difficulty ever since I started really following you, Lord. What 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 happened? Where are you, God? You can picture him wondering how how is it that you're my shield? In fact, the number one thing Abram is disappointed with is that he doesn't have a child. You see, when God told Abram, "I want you to go to this distant land. I want you to go to the land of Canaan," God promised Abram and said, "I'm going to give you a child." Not just a child, but your, your descendants. They're going to become a great nation one day, the people of Israel. And then there will become a great kingdom ruling over other nations. And then they'll even become the instrument for blessing the entire world. So Abram's being told he's going to have these heirs, these descendants that are going to become a great nation, a kingdom, and, and the source, an instrument for, for blessing all the rest of the nations in the world. It's a wonderful promise. But here's the thing, in, in Genesis 15, Abrams doesn't even have a single child. He's wondering, you know, you, you, you told me, God, that I would you know, be able to have a child and be able to be the patriarch of a great nation, and I don't even have a single child, and ever since I followed you, it's just been really hard here, and how is it possible that you're going to fulfill your promise to me? Abrams beginning to doubt a bit. He says this, he says, O Lord God, what will thou give me? For I continue childless. And the heir of my house is Eleazar of Damascus. Behold, you have given me no offspring, and a slave born in my house will have to be my heir. I mean, can you feel Abram's pain here? Again, put yourself in his shoes. God promises you, hey, you're going to have a great, you're going to have a child, you're have many descendants, and they're going to become a great nation and kingdom someday. All you need to do is go to the land of Canaan. Just leave home, leave everything dear to you. Go to this hostile territory. Trust me, and Abram trusts. And there's one problem after another, after another, after another for him. And he doesn't even have a child yet. And he's thinking, I, I'm gonna have to, you know, give my inheritance to my, my servant here, Eliezer. I don't have a child to pass on the inheritance to. It kind of reminds me of, you know, Teresa of Avila, what Teresa Avila once said, I can picture Abraham saying this. God, if this is how you treat your friends, it's no wonder you have so few of them. <laughs> when Teresa was going through a hard time once, maybe you felt that way before. God, where are you in the midst of this? What's happening? Where is my life going? Is there still a plan to my life? Is there really a purpose to my life? Where where, where are things going? Is it ever going to get better? In Abraham's case is wondering, am I ever going to have a child? What's happening, Lord? Now, what happens next is amazing. In the end here, the word of the Lord comes back to Abram. And and God says to Abram, this man, Eliezer, is not going to be your heir. Your own son is going to be your heir. And he brought him outside and said, look toward heaven and number the stars if you're able to number them. This, so basically it's kind of like Abram's just a little frustrated, He's a little discouraged. Lord, how, uh, I don't even have a child. How are you possibly my shield, my protector? You know, I've had all these problems ever since I started following you. I don't even, I'm not even gonna have a child. And it's as if God, you know, God t- you know God's talking to him inside his tent and he, he takes him outside the tent. He says, let's take this outside, Abram. <laughs> so let's take this outside. Let's go outside. I want you to look up in, in the sky. And he says, I want you to count the stars if you're able to count them. That's how many descendants you're gonna have. Count the stars if you're able. That's how many descendants. And then the Bible tells us the next verse. And Abram believed the Lord, and he reckoned it to him as righteousness. Do you ever wonder about this? I don't know if you remember this story. I remember this as a kid. You know, I remember in religion class in seventh grade, you know, they had this little textbook. We're studying the Old Testament. And in this scene, you see abram looking up pointing up at the stars it's late at night and he sees the milky way galaxy and you just see you know just countless stars up there and he's looking up and that's how i remember the bible story even as a little kid oh that's how many kids he's gonna have and then all of a sudden so he looks up god takes him outside to go look up at the stars and then all of a sudden it says and abram believed like like why did abram all of a sudden believe i mean those stars were there the night before the night before that the night before that Why is it that all of a sudden, Abram musters up this great faith? (laughs) Do you ever wonder about this? Like, just because he goes and sees the stars, okay, I guess that's true, I'm going to have children. You know, if you look at this story a little closer, it reveals something really powerful that's going to be an important message for us today who might struggle to walk by faith and not by sight. Do you struggle to trust God sometimes? Do you wonder, God, why, why is this happening? Where are you in the midst of this? We all have those experiences, but the story of Abraham, when what happens next, what I'm about to share with you, I think is so beautiful from sacred scripture. And I know it, it, it's so inspiring to me. Here's what happens. If you read the story, what time of day was this when Abram was taken outside of the tent to go look up at the stars and count the stars? again, as as a kid I, I always thought, of course this is at night, right? This is a, you know it's midnight or three in the morning or whatever, and he's seeing the Milky Way galaxy and countless stars up there, and yeah, that's how that's what my children's picture book said <laughs> in in religion class. but if you read the story, it says this in verse in the subsequent verses, verses seven through twelve. what happens is God then says, "Go take these animals, you know, cut them up, and there's gonna be a sacrifice that's gonna be offered." And then at the end of the sacrifice, it says, as the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell on Abram. Now notice that verse 12, as the sun was going down. So this scene that came before, the scene of God talking with Abram, Abram doubting he's going to have children, God saying, count the stars if you can, and then the animal sacrifice, all of that is taking place when? before the sun went down. Do you catch that? Verse 12 makes it really clear. This wasn't at night. This wasn't in the middle of the darkness of night. This was in broad daylight. This is in the middle of the daytime. This is before the sun was going down. And can you see stars when the sun is out at night (laughs) or in the daytime hours? Are you able to see the stars? Of course not. So what's happening here is God is taking Abram out of the tent in the middle of the day, and and having Abram look up there, he says, look up into the heavens, look up into the sky, and count the stars if you are able. Is, Abel, is, is Abram able to count those stars at this moment? Of course not. It's broad daylight. But he's saying to Abram, Abram, count the stars if you can. Abram, do you see any stars up there? Uh, nope, God, <laughs> I don't see any stars. But do you trust that they're there? Oh, yeah, I, I, I know I know they're there. Because they come out every night. I just can't see them right now. Abram, do you trust I'm going to give you your descendants? Do you see your descendants right now, Abram? No, I don't see them right now. (laughs) But do you trust? Do you trust me? Do you trust they're going to be there? I guess I should, Lord. Abram's learning to trust here. He's learning to trust in what he can't see. He can't see those stars but he knows they're there. But he should have even more confidence in the Word of God that God is faithful. He's a faithful Father, a Father who keeps His promises. He's a loving Father who has a plan for our lives, a plan for our welfare and not for woe, to give us a future and a hope, as Jeremiah tells us. This this is a loving Father that no matter what we, we see here on earth, no matter what may be going on in the midst of our difficulties and our sorrows and our troubles and our fears and our anxieties, God is there and he has a plan. And and we might not be able to always see that plan. We might not understand that plan, but like Abram, we are being invited to walk by faith and not by sight. And so I think this, this story invites all of us, the story of Abram's faith. And by the way, there are many more tests of Abram's faith. We, we, I think I want to do future podcasts on just the whole different aspects of the life of Abram, because his whole life is a journey of learning to trust more and, and to surrender more. It's not like a one-time, oh, now he's got it. He's got faith. He left the land that he was from and, and went to Canaan Went to, and trusted God in Genesis 12. No, That was a great heroic act of, of, of faith and trust. But now we see in chapter 15, he's being invited to trust in a deeper way, the trust that God is still there and that God is faithful. And he's going to be invited again in chapter 17 and again in chapter 22, multiple times throughout his life. Abram is being invited to surrender to trust, even though he can't see with his own mind how it's all working out. And God does the same thing in us. So practical points I want us to take away here today is whatever you're going through right now, realize that. It's, it, it, God can use it for, for your good. So I want you to think about that, that pain point in your life right now, that certain fear, that certain difficulty, that suffering that you're enduring, a strained relationship, something in the workplace, something in your marriage, something at the parish, you know, whatever that is. I just want you to think about that. And I want you to, first of all, thank the Lord. Thank the Lord for it. It's not that you're thanking Him for the hardship in itself, I thank the Lord that, that he can use this. Lord, I, I, I thank you that even this difficulty, you can use this for some good. I thank you that, that you are here with me in the midst of this difficulty, even if I don't sense your presence, even if I don't feel your closeness, even if I don't see you, Lord, I don't see your hand working here. I love you. I trust you. And I thank you because I know you're here. I, even though I can't see it, even though I can't feel it, even though I don't sense it. Again, faith is about, it's in what you can't see. And we we place our faith in the God we can't see. And we don't always see his hand in our lives. And And I think that's one thing we can take away here is that no matter what's going on in our lives, to trust that God can use it for our good, that he can even use those circumstances in Abram's life, all those series of difficulties, and he can use it to help Abram grow in patience, to trust in God's timing and not his own timing. To trust in God's ways and not his own ways. I know, man, I there's many times I'm like, oh, I see the problem. I this is how we solve it. Okay, God, let me call on you and you come use your, you know, superpower to 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 make it all better. Fulfill my plan to how to solve this problem. <laughs> you know, and I and it's wow, I, I just have to learn so much about how God is teaching me to trust his timing, to trust his way of solving the problems of this world and one of the biggest problems isn't this thing outside of me but it's it's in my heart and that's the second point i want us to take away here is that whatever difficulty darkness uncertainty we're going through in life that that you know that that is an issue and that's something that god does want to help us with he's going to help us to carry that cross he's going to help us face those difficulties he's going to strengthen us through those trials but to see that it's the problem's not just on the outside it's also on the inside That when I am experiencing some difficulty out here in my life, on the outside of my life, it's often shedding some light on ways that my heart can grow. You know, that's what was happening with Abram. Abram experienced, you know, the difficulties of the famine having to go to pick up and move again and go to Egypt, the strain of Pharaoh hitting on his wife, uh, having to come back to Canaan, the disappointment of his own nephew that he'd been taking care of, You know, being selfish and taking the better portion of the land and having to go rescue him in battle and not having a child, all of those things. They're, they're, they were really real hardships. And, and God was looking, I'm sure, very compassionately upon Abram and wanting to help Abram carry those crosses. But more than that, God wanted to change Abram's heart, to help Abram trust more, to help Abram grow in greater surrender to what was happening, to to be more patient. So when you think about the difficulty, remember first that God's hand is there even though you can't see it. Thank the Lord for being present. It's good to thank him even when you don't sense it. Lord, I I believe you're here and I thank you for being here even though I don't feel you're here. That's the first practical point. But the second one is then in the midst of the difficulty, Ask Jesus, what is it you're trying to teach me in this? What is it that you're wanting to work on in my heart? Because it's not about just the problem on the outside of our lives. God uses those to shed light on what's happening on the inside in my heart and what he wants to change. And then lastly, then surrender to it and ask the Lord to give you the grace to trust him and to follow him. So in this way, we can learn to walk with Abraham, the great hero in the Bible, the the man of faith. uh, And we will learn to walk more by faith and not by sight. Thanks so much for listening. If you want to learn more about the story of Abraham and how the Bible makes a difference for our lives, all of these stories, you know, there's so many books of the Bible, so many different characters like Abraham and Moses and David and Joshua and St. Paul and St. Peter and Jesus and all these different heroes in the Bible. How do they all come together to tell the one great story of God's love, his amazing love and his plan for our lives? check out my simple book called The Real Story, Understanding the Big Picture of the Bible. I wrote it with my good friend, Curtis Martin. Again, it's called The Real Story, Understanding the Big Picture of the Bible. We wrote this many years ago. Uh, It's a very short easy book to read. Seventh graders at our Catholic school were reading this book. Uh, So really easy to read, short chapters. You can read it in a day, but it gives you the big picture of the Bible, how all the different stories of Scripture come together to tell one story. And it's that one story many Catholics don't know, and we go through the great heroes and tell the story like Abraham, the man of faith. All right. Thanks so much for listening. God bless.